Psalm 34, verses 1 through 10. Go home, read it this afternoon. That's what they just sang to us. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 10. We're going to look at it a little bit this morning as we get back into 1 Peter chapter 3. But let me ask you this question first. Does anybody like math? <laughs> Serious question. Anybody like, I like math. Some people, some of you do. Okay. Um, to me, it makes sense, right? I like it when 1 plus 1 equals 2. <laughs> And six times seven is 42. Like, you know, it's a sure thing. And I, and I like, with, every, with all the uncertainty, I like a sure thing. And uh, so, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like a great math guy. But I think it was geometry that we were introduced to these if-then statements. Like, if the shape is a triangle, then its angle, angles will equal 180 degrees. Right? And so I know maybe I lost somebody already, and some of you are just like getting warmed up, right? Um, but, but it's this, it's like a, lo- a logical thinking. And, and I, I don't know, ask Sarah if I'm a logical person. I, li- I try to be a logical person. Um, and we use that logic in life, but it's, it kind of loses its certainty, right? So you say, uh, if, it's, if it's sunny outside this afternoon, then we'll go to Meeks Park and we'll walk. Right? It's the same kind of logic. But sometimes in life, it's sunny in the afternoon and you don't end up at Meeks Park walking because of the uncertainty. But if it's math and you say, if it's a triangle, the, the sum of the angles will equal 180 degrees. So um, there's, there is a certainty there. And I think, uh, looking back on this last election cycle, I'm sure that every politician running for office just wish that they knew, if I did this, then I would be elected, right? Like, that's like, what's the magic formula? They're all trying to figure out how they can, of course, there's no guarantee. They, they think that if they do this, they'll have a best chance. We do it, um, we do it in life, and we think about retirement, right? And maybe you hire somebody for this, because you're not going to take that chance. Well, if I spend like this, and if I save here, and if I invest here, then I'll still have money to live when, you know, maybe not able to work a 40-hour week. So we hire somebody to help eliminate that certainty. So we think, you guys tracking with me? Do you guys think like this? I think like this. Am I the only one? You know, if this happens, then this should happen. Um, and so when we get to God's Word, how do we deal with God's words? Well, of course, there are truths in God's Word that are absolute. Uh, Paul told the Philippian jailer, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Like, we can, we can take a statement like that to the bank. There's truth in that. Um, but what about when you read God's Word and you, like, you think about your life and you think, well, I'm reading this, but what about when this happened to me? And there's, there's maybe, like, an exception. It's a sunny day, but for some reason you're not walking at Meeks Park. So what, let's look at one of those. Before We're headed to, ch- to chapter 3 of 1 Peter, but just getting some thinking going. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now this is a good principle, right? If you have gardeners or farmers, maybe you don't like math. You like to garden or you like to farm. You know, you, you invest in the spring in preparing the soil. Uh, you invest in good seed. You invest in the right amount of seed. You spend the, your time watering. You want to plant at the best, at the right time of year, depending on weather and all these different... So you invest heavily in the early preparation because later in the year, you want what? 
You want food, right? You want crops. You want, you, want, you want something to show for your work. But sometimes you do all the right preparation work, and then the farmer or the gardener gets to the end of the year, and it's just like, what happened? You know, like I did everything right, but I didn't get the, the garden. And then you have some other guy who doesn't, it's his first year, and he didn't even like, you know, hardly even till it. And he threw it, he just scattered them. He didn't plant them really. And he had, he gets a good harvest. So there's, there's an exception. So I think we can, what we'll call these is a biblical principle. It doesn't mean that it's not true, but it doesn't, it also means it's not always true right away. So let's, I want to use this definition. A biblical principle is something that is generally true in this life and eventually will be true. All right, so uh, if you thinking about this reaping and sowing principle, in Galatians chapter 6, uh, another verse that kind of, two verses that talks about it, 7 and 8, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So in, in the Bible, and in, we see it in life, some of these principles that we read, there are exceptions to the rule. And it's like, well, it doesn't seem to be working out for me. Like the Bible says this, it's not working out for me. We can have confidence that eventually it will work out. God is returned. Jesus will return, and he will set all things right. He will correct every wrong. We'll have a new earth, new creation, and it will be reset. So another, another example, this real-life example, there were two young evangelists, and they were, um, it was 1955, they planned an evangelistic crusade, a week of meetings in Saskatchewan, Canada, they, 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 they prepared. They were, they were sowing heavily. They were ready to go. They gave the, the, the messages. They were, they were following the Lord to the best of their ability. A week of meetings, and at the end of the week, one young man, a teenager, had given his heart to the Lord. Now, while they were thrilled for this young guy that had given his life to the Lord, there was, there was like a disappointment because they, they expected more. Like they were praying, they had prepared, they had worked hard, and they thought the Lord was going to do a great work. And of course, the salvation of the soul is a great work, but they were, they were praying for more than that. So what these two guys didn't know was that this young man, his name was Erwin Lutzer, who would become a renowned author. He, he had, I think he had three radio programs that were heard by hundreds of thousands of people every day, and he pastored Moody church in Chicago for 36 years. So while they, they, they looked at the, at the end of the week, they thought, man, we were expecting a bigger harvest. You know, what happened to the principle, if you sow generously, you'll reap generously, but they just hadn't seen it yet. So biblical principle, it might, it is generally true in this life and eventually will be true. And, that, and we're looking at a biblical principle this morning. And, uh, and so just enjoyed the, the ministry of the, the praise team this morning. They, were, they sang to us, Psalm 34, 1 through 10. We're picking up here in First Peter, and he's quoting from Psalm 34. Uh, I believe he starts at verse 12. So let's read this together, and then we'll, we'll study it. He says, uh, uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 10. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, 
and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Heavenly Father, we want to understand your word this morning. And, uh, and, 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 and I know we read your word sometimes and say, but I'm not experiencing that. And so we have to decide, is your word true or is it not true? Or is, it, is there something that we're doing to prevent ourselves from experiencing what we read? Or is it, is it a situation where we're following after you, we're doing what you've asked us to do, and the, the blessing or the reward or the reaping is just something that's yet to be seen? Help us to understand that this morning, Lord. Would you teach us and guide us? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Whoever desires to love life and see good days... Right? Sign me up. No, I'd rather be miserable. I'd rather die early. I'd rather be sick, right? No, who, who, who wants to love life and see good days? Anybody? Okay, so this is Peter. He's teaching, this is what he wants to share with us this morning. He's teaching us this. So when we, when we read the New Testament, there are a number of Greek words that are translated into the English word life. So what is he talking about here? Well, um, there's the Greek word bios. We get the word biology from. Talking about physical life, like the life that we're living, we're breathing, we're sleeping, we're eating, we're uh, working, we're enjoying family. This is, uh, this is like, this is bios. Um, so in the New Testament, a good example of that is Paul says to, to Timothy, um, what active soldier gets entangled in the affairs of everyday life? Everyday living. This is bios. This is not what Peter's talking about this morning. Then there's the Greek word psyche, your, your soul, your, your inner being. Uh, it's, it is usually translated in the New Testament soul, but like 40 times it's translated the word life. So just to mention that. So here's a good example. Jesus told um, his disciples, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. All right, so he's talking, about his, he's talking about a person's soul in this case. All right, but now we get to this uh, Greek word here in 1 Peter, and it's the Greek word zoe. So the idea is not just someone who's, who's breathing and alive, but someone who is full of life, someone who has a, a vitality about them. You know, you know the person, right? They just walk into the room, and the room lights up, and, it, and uh, there's just an energy there. And so we're talking about zoe in this, in this, in this passage. Now, Biblical writers, when they used this word Zoe, they were talking more to just someone who just seems to be full of life, but they seem that the, the, the use of the word is towards a person who is, has a changed life because of their relationship with Jesus. So when you're reading through the, the New Testament and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's not just talking about, man, they're just an energetic, vibrant person. Jesus is talking about someone whose life has been changed because they put their faith and trust in Jesus. So as you're reading through the New Testament and reading about eternal life or everlasting life, you're reading about eternal Zoe, a life that will go on forever because of a, it's a changed life through a relationship with Jesus. We have a hope in, in Christ, a hope as believers, not just that Jesus changed our life, but that life, that Zoe, will live forever because of that relationship. Um, Jesus told his disciples, the thief came to steal 
kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So this is what, this is what Peter's saying. Who desires to love life? Who wants to love their life in Christ? Who wants to love uh, this new creation that God has, has made each and one of us? Um, that's the question that, that Peter's asking. That's the if, if you will. If you desire to love life and see good days, Peter says, then you should do this. What does he say? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. This is, this is a common theme that Peter's been teaching throughout the book. Chapter 1, Peter said, Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Chapter 2, Peter said, Put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and slander. Uh, chapter 3, here he says, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Peter has instruction for us, and he is trying to, to guide us away from things that would keep us from, from enjoying and loving this life. So what's he saying? Don't create trouble with what you say. You know, don't speak wicked things. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't be deceptive. Don't speak partial truths. Don't leave things out. Be honest. Don't be misleading. I can, I, can, I can do this. We want to be clever with our words so that people believe what we want them to believe. And so sometimes you say, well, I didn't, actually, I didn't really say a lie. I just, I just left that part of this, those details out. They don't need to know those details. I just, I just didn't mention everything. And we try to convince ourselves that we are doing right when really we're speaking deceit. Peter says, if you want to love your life in the Lord, don't speak evil. Don't speak deceitfully. The, the lies and how we use our tongue, and James has a lot to say about the tongue and the power of the tongue, but that affects our relationships with each other, but it also reflects our, affects our relationship with the Lord. He says, keep away from those things. Verse 11, he says, let him turn away from evil, turn away from the speaking evil, speaking deceit, and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So he says, it's not just that don't do these things. If you want to be a good Christian, here's a list of don'ts. Don't do these things, you'll be a good Christian, and you just kind of, you just kind of rest, and you just listen to the Christian music, and you can go to church on Sunday, and just, just don't be bad, and this is the Christian life. He doesn't say that. He says, stay away from those things and do good. We don't live a neutral life as Christians. God saved us for action. And, he challenged, and Peter's challenging us to do that. Stay away from the evil, yes, but stay away from it so that you can do good. Um, he doesn't really specify here what the good is. But the idea of what's, what does it mean to do good? To be benevolent, to be generous, to be kind, to be a servant, to help someone uh, who's in need. It is, Christian life is a life of action. And so you say, okay, yep, Pastor Jeff, eventually you were going to get there. You, you're giving us the list of do's and don'ts. Just don't do these things, do these things, and you're going to be okay. We're not talking about how to become a Christian this morning. 
We're talking about the Christian who wants to love their life in Christ. So a Christian who wants to love their life in Christ will stay away from the evil things. They'll keep a watch over their tongues, and they'll make an effort to, to do good, an effort to help those uh, that are around them. So if we want to have this new life, if we want to have this eternal Zoe, if you will, that God has given us as salvation, then we will turn away from those things, turn away from the, the evil desires and passions of our former life, as Peter said in, in chapter 1, and we will do good. And he says something very specific here. He says, let him or her seek peace and pursue it. So do good is kind of just a general instruction that, that we understand what that means. We understand what's good and what's wrong, what's right and what's good. But now he says there's something specific here. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So what does Peter mean when he says, let him seek peace? Let him seek rest. Let him seek tranquility. Um, to me, this is, this is a picture that I have. It's, it's the end of the day. Uh, maybe you've been with family or you've been with friends or you've been around the people that just give you joy and you've had a great day with them. Maybe uh, you were active and you were, you were out doing things and so it was, you know, at the end of the day where it's just a good day and you just, you're, but it's the end of the day. And so you just settle into, onto the couch or you lay down on your bed there, maybe for the first time and there's just like the, uh, Right? Husbands, this is when your wife looks at you and says, you have to make the noise, you know, when you lay down. It's just peace. It's rest. It's tranquility, after, especially after you're on the go, on the go. It's the absence of strife, the absence of conflict, the absence of tension. And Peter says, if you want to love the life the Lord's given you, if you want to enjoy good days, then you will seek peace. So where do we need to seek peace? It's, it's usually in our relationships, right? You know, country, country against country, when they're at war, there's, there's no peace. And so it's the relationship between the two countries. But we're, uh, I haven't seen any world leaders out here today. Um, we're, we're talking about relationships, I think, is what Peter's talking about. Seeking peace between you and your spouse, seeking peace between you and your kids, between you and your neighbors and your coworkers. Um, and so, this is an excuse for me. I don't know about you, but I'll say, well, I, I tried. I talked to him one time, and it just didn't work out. Well, I texted him a message. Well, I, I, I saw her the other day, but she turned her back, and so... Uh, what does this say, though? Seek peace. Like hide-and-go-seek. Does the person who's it stand in the middle of the room and just wait to see what happens? They have, they have to go to the, to the people that are hiding. And a lot of times when there's tension, when there's conflict, when there's strife in a relationship, uh, the tendency is to be like Adam and Eve when, when Jesus was walking in the cool of the evening Adam and Eve knew there was no peace in that relationship, so they, they went and they hid. And Peter says that we are to seek peace. We are to uh, go to the person or people that we have tension with, that we have conflict with, and say, hey, I would like to have peace between you and me. And you say, well, that is just, that's the last thing I want to do. 
who desires to love life and see good days. If that's what you would like, then seek peace. So this is just a, a simple thing. Now, we don't want to be relentless to the point of being obnoxious. Some people will not reciprocate the peace. But I have a feeling, I can speak for myself, my tenden- that's not my tendency to obnoxiously uh, pursue someone to the point that they are becoming more angry with me. My, my tendency would be to say, well, I tried once and it didn't work, so I'll just let it go. So Peter says, seek peace and pursue it to go after it. It's like the hide and seek. Like I said, you stand in the middle of the room and look around and, and see is anybody, you know, someone have a foot out from behind the couch. You go out and you look for it and you do what you can to uh, make it right. These are situations that we need to be in prayer about, we need to seek the Lord about, and we have to recognize it's not always possible, but we can do what we can do. And, and Paul mentioned, kind of speaks to this part of it in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Paul said, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So we can, we can do our part, which is more than just one attempt, if we're reading seek peace and pursue it accurately and we have to recognize okay some maybe not maybe i can't have peace with everybody but a key to love life and see good days is to seek peace and to uh, have peace now what you'll find is if you have um if you have done your due diligence, if you have done your part, if you have sought peace and pursued it and still have not achieved peace with another individual, I believe you'll find that you'll have peace between you and the Lord because you've done what Paul said. If possible, as far as it depends on you, you've done what you can to live peaceably. So that's, that's the, spe- the specific. There's a general. Turn from evil and do good. You see a good, an opportunity to do good, to help someone, to be kind, you should do it. Specifically, you should seek peace and pursue it. Verse 12 is, is just a powerful verse. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. Now, this isn't like God watching us, you know, like there's a perception that God's up there in heaven and he's just waiting, watching and waiting for us to mess up so he can just obliterate us, right? Or he can make our life difficult. See, you did that, you should have done that, now your life's going to be difficult. That's not what this verse is saying. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. This, this song that was, that was sung this morning... Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Do you, do you, the, the reason, and that's why I said to you, read Psalm 34 this afternoon. This is Psalm 34, verse 3. The psalmist says, with me, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Why are we magnifying? Why is the psalmist inviting us to magnify and exalt the Lord? He tells us. The psalmist said, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. This is, this is in First Peter, but it's, it's later in the, in the psalm. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, 
God's looking to the, for the righteous. He wants to listen to them. The psalmist says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Just such a rich psalm. God's blessing, enjoying life, protection by the angel of the Lord, hearing our requests. It's for the righteous. It's not for the evil. And so um, we magnify the Lord. We exalt him because when we seek him, he answers us. When we look to him, his angels encamp around, around us. When we look to him, we, we don't need to be ashamed. There's no, there's no fear when we look to the Lord. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, it's a very similar verse. It says, for the eyes, verse 9, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. God's not looking down because he wants to... To, to get us when we do wrong. He's looking down because he wants to support us. It's not like, um, well, what's Freddie up to today? I'm going to see what, what I can do to help him. No, but as Freddie looks to the Lord and says, Lord, I see you want me to do this, the Lord is there to support and to help. Here's another uh, the, uh, sobering, the sobering part of this verse, though, at the end in verse 12 in 1 Peter but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If you want God's support in your life, if you want his peace in your life, if you're fearful and afraid and, 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 want, and, want, and, and are praying that the, the angel of the Lord would encamp around you and that you'd not be ashamed, he's not going to support you if you're doing evil. The face of the Lord is against those who do... His support is not for those that are doing wrong. His support is for those that are doing right. But the Lord is not the only one watching the earth to see what's going on. 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 8, Peter says, Be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Jesus said that, that uh, Satan has come to seek, kill, and destroy. So the, the Lord is, is, is watching the earth. He wants... He wants to hear our prayers. He wants to hear our cries. He wants to support us while we are doing his will. And you say, so now we get to the exception, right? You say, yeah, but one time I prayed so hard, or that one time I was so generous, or uh, there was this, this time we, we opened our home for these people, or, um, but Lord, this time that I bent over backwards and and we, we all have these what, uh, what ifs. And, and well, it didn't turn out well here. You're saying um, uh, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and he wants to support. And, and, and what about this time? And we look back to um, verse 9 that we looked at last week when Peter said, don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for this is what you were called to do that you may obtain a blessing. God says, if you bless, you will obtain a blessing. And you say, yes, but what about, and, and the promise is there. If you bless, you will receive a blessing. So the biblical principle, if not in this life, it's generally true in this life, but not if, if not in this life, it eventually will be true when God returns to make all things right. Verse 10 
Verse 13, again, just kind of reiterating this idea of, the, of, of what a biblical principle is. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? And that's what we, what we go to. I'm doing the right thing. Why would I be harmed? Why would it not go my way? I'm trying to do what is right. I, God, I've been obedient to you, and yet I'm still dealing with this. And, and so the, that's Peter's question. Well, who would harm you if you're zealous to do what is good? He says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. He's reiterating the promise that he, had already, that he shared in verse 9. You might not see it today. You might not see it next week. You might not see it in the next year. These, these young evangelists might have been... It was years before Erwin Lutzer was in a position where he was uh, just... I'm sure he was ministering his whole life, but where his, where his impact began to spread... So why? Why? I'm zealous for what is good. Why would someone want to harm me? There is always opposition to the work of the Lord. Like, we, we, just, we just read it. Our adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone that he could devour. There's opposition to the Lord's work all over the world, even right here in the Bible Belt, Blairsville, Georgia. Satan is against us, but God is for us. And we have this promise, you will be blessed. Uh, in, the, on the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, shared these words, Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus is really, it's the description of a biblical principle. You might be dealing with persecution and suffering right now, but rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. God will fulfill his promises. If you suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. And this is, this is a, the, the end of verse 14 here in First Peter 3. He says, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. That's one of those like easier said than done um, instructions, right? Don't worry about it. That's not, it who, has, who has difficulty with that? I mean, some people don't. You, you know, it's okay to say, no, I, that's... You know, if, if the Lord says, I trust him and I don't worry about it. But a lot of us do worry about it, right? So what, what do we do? There's no, um, a lot of times when, uh, you know, your, your, uh, your son or your daughter, when they're little and they're crying at night in the room, you know, you go, in, you go into the bedroom and you don't just open the door and say, hey, don't, no crying, don't be afraid in there and close the door, right? You, you go in, maybe you do, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Not the first time you don't, maybe the fourth or fifth time. But you go in, right, and you say, hey, don't, don't worry, don't be afraid, don't be troubled, Peter says. And then you tell them why they don't need to be troubled, why they don't need to be afraid. You know, uh, mommy and daddy, we're right here in the next room, you're not by yourself. And so I want to I close this morning as we, because life is not always easy. When we do good, um, when we are seeking peace, when we are... 
Um, when, we're, when we are living the way God calls us to be, we still run into opposition. We still run into difficult times. And we still, we still have doubts. Are we doing the right thing? Will the Lord provide? Is he going to be there? Will he uh, come through? And so I'm, I'm gonna, I want to close this morning. I want to read some, some verses that hopefully that will encourage us that when, we, when, when life is not always going the way that it, we think it should, when, we've, when we are putting ourselves out there for the Lord and we think, okay, God, I'm, I, I am being obedient to you. We don't be obedient because we think that there's a blessing, but we're being obedient and then hardship comes or difficulty comes and you read the word and you're thinking, is, is that what it said? Here's some, here's some verses for us. Isaiah 43, verse 1. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he redeems us. He purchases that debt that we owed. He, he, he pays for it. And he calls us by name. We are his. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Doesn't matter what you're facing today, what you're facing this week, what we'll face in the next month, God is with us. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's an encouragement from God to us. Now I want to just look at, at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 again, though. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So when we read this verse, fear not, I'm with you, do not be dismayed, I'm your God, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The understanding is he does that for the believer who's walking in obedience to the Lord, not to the believer who is walking in sin. Psalm 56, verse 3. This is just a declaration of faith, and it's a reminder of what we need to do. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Uh, we, we talk about sometimes, you know, uh, a prayer doesn't have to be, you know, hands folded on your knees by your bed. It can just be a one-sentence prayer, you know, just a quick thought. And so when that doubt and when that fear, when the uncertainty's there, uh, whatever the situation is, it can be a one-sentence prayer. Lord, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about this, but I am trusting in you to see me through. Uh, Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. The Lord your God will go with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. I just got to read this again. Psalm 34. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. I hope that could be your testimony and my testimony that, that when it's difficult, we seek the Lord and he answers us and he delivered me from all my fears. doesn't say the difficult situation was gone, but we don't have to be fearful in that situation. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. You know, the world promises a lot of things that will make us happy. 
You know, just purchase these things, acquire this wealth, uh, gain these things, um, experience these things. You know, everyone's either selling you something to purchase or something to experience. God says that if we want to love life, if we want to see good days, we'll turn away from evil and we'll do good. We'll seek peace and we'll pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their, to their prayer. When we go to the Lord in every situation, he hears our prayers. When we are following after him. And so I guess the, the difficult thing here is following after the Lord doesn't always line up with the promises of the world. Oftentimes it doesn't. And so we have, this, this, we have two different paths to choose. I want to I love life and see good days. And when I say I want to love life, I want to love this new life that I have in Christ, and I want to see good days. And so um, if, that is, if that's your prayer, if that's your hope this morning, then let's together uh, commit this morning to do good, to turn away from speaking evil, keep away from uh, being deceitful, and that we would turn to the Lord in every situation sometimes with a a short prayer. Lord, I'm afraid, but I'm putting my trust in you. Heavenly Father, sometimes your your word is just, uh, is so straightforward and it's so simple, and yet it can be so difficult to put into practice. And Lord, you have called us to um, a life of obedience. You've called us in these verses to a life of doing good and seeking peace and pursuing after it, uh, to turning from evil, turning, to, turning away from deceit. Lord, thank you that your eyes are on us. Uh, not because you're against us, but because you're for us. You are there, um, you're, you're there with us. You go with us. You give us the strength that we need. Your spirit is within us to give us the words to say when we need to say them. Lord, I pray that it would be um, our first tendency to turn to you first in all things, especially in these difficult situations. And when, um, when life seems to be difficult, when we are following after you, Lord, I pray that we would have confidence in your word, that even though we might not be experiencing it in this moment, that your, your truths are true, and eventually we will see that truth played out in our life. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you for this new life that you have given those that have called on your name. Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning that, uh, that's never, that's like, what about this new life? I, I, I mean, I, got, I was born once, and I don't have a, a, a new life. Lord, I pray that they would, um, they would stop and ask this morning, what does it mean to have new life? It's, it can be, it's, it's so simple. It's just recognizing that as a human being that we're sinful, And that in our sin, we are separated from God. And that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. It's just a matter of believing that he did that. And just saying, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Lord, I pray if someone this morning has never done that, that they would come and and talk with Larry and and Sandy this morning. And and, um, just to understand what it means to have new life in you. Lord, would you... 
uh, just even give us the strength and would you just put it in the back of our minds to turn to you this week in our time of need. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.